<clears throat> What's up, guys? I'm Jermaine, and this is It's Not That Deep. <sighs> All right. So lately, I've been feeling very reflective, you know, introspective, if you will. Trying to look within to try to dig up some of those root causes as to why I think, why I act, why I perform the way I do, and a lot of different aspects in life. Um, I've been really trying to focus on removing and displacing some of those bad habits that I don't even know I have yet or that I do know I have but I need to deal with, and then realize some of the good natural habits that I have. Um, and kind of support those and, and, and nurture those so that they grow into something bigger. You know what I mean? So I kind of wanted to get into some really tough questions, at least for me, at least for me that I really don't want to answer, but I'm going to today. So grab your drink, whatever that may be. Uh, it's 10.31 p.m., so I'm drinking a can of Twisted Tea, so nothing really special. But this is questions I'm afraid to ask myself. Y'all ready? All right, let's go. So first question is, what is something in your childhood that still bothers you? Well, <laughs> if I had to pick a topic... There's a lot, but that's, we'll save that for another episode of the podcast. But something in my childhood that still bothers me, huh? So besides the pet turtle I accidentally let run away, don't ask. But I would say that something that really bothers me from my childhood is the earliest and two of the only memories I have of my dad before he passed away were of him being angry at me. I mean, of course... They were for me being unruly at like four or five years old, but that's not the point. That's not what we're here to talk about. But those are two of the main memories that when I think about my dad or my dad's name comes up in conversation or whatever the case may be, that's kind of what I think about. So like there was this one memory of me getting in trouble for accidentally taking a sip of his tall can of Budweiser that was sitting in the kitchen sink when I was like four or five. Like, I was that my fault, though. I was just young and thirsty. I didn't know it was beer. To my knowledge, I didn't know what beer was at the time. So I was just looking for something to drink. And the Budweiser was there. So I took a sip. And he didn't like it. How was that? Yeah, it's my fault, y'all. I know it was my fault. Accountability now. But... Um, he was like pissed at me that day. Like he was like yelling and I don't even remember what he said, but I just can see like the look on his face and he was like angry because, you know, most fathers would be angry for their four year old child taking a sip of Budweiser out the kitchen sink. But my real question that I would ask him if he were here today is why would you leave a full can open can of Budweiser in the kitchen sink with a four year old in the house who really need to work on themselves? Right. And then the other memory that I have of him is me running away from him and like running to jump in the bed with my mom because he was trying to make me get a haircut. And I didn't want to get a haircut, 
Um, that was really my mama's boy origin story. You hear me? Like she had my back from day one. Um, and I was just like, back up, old man. Just because you're a barber don't mean I got to hop in the chair, like fall back. And then he did. He was a good father, though. And I just wish he had lived long enough for me to have some good memories to look back on and talk about and hold on to. Um, because I feel like I don't remember enough about him, but I wish I did. Um, I know I have his talent, though, because I started cutting and lining my own hair at 12 years old. <laughs> Fun fact. Um, and only have been to a barbershop like a handful of times. And I hate it every trip. They don't get it right. Um, so I thank you, Dad, for that. And I wish I had some good memories with him. I don't even ask anyone about memories of my dad because I'm jealous. I don't even want to know what y'all got to say um, for real, for real. Because if I don't remember it, then it don't matter to me. And that's that. So um, that's really something from my childhood that still bothers me to this day. There's a lot, but that's one of the main categories that I want to talk about. And I don't think I've really said that to anybody before. Um, I don't talk a lot about my dad because, like I said, I really don't remember a lot. But what I do remember, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Um, and I feel like I don't do his memory too good by talking about those times and situations because um, I'm sure there was way more good times um, than bad. But question number two, what advice would you give to your younger self? Now, I don't know how young we talking, but I'm going to say that 16 to 18 year old 16 to 20. I'll give you all 16 to 20. We'll talk about advice I would give my 16 to 20 year old self. So have a seat, little man. We need to talk. So, all right. Honestly, though, I would tell myself to A, be aware of the battles you create for yourself by not trusting your own intuition. I don't think we talk enough about how much discernment and intuition we possess of our own that can truly like really guide us in life in the right direction. Um, and I wish I would have known about that when I was younger because I would have made a lot of different decisions or a lot of decisions quicker than I did if I would have trusted my own intuition. I would tell myself that expressing how you truly feel doesn't make you cruel, doesn't make you mean, misguided, the problem, the enemy. It's just you standing up for yourself you setting boundaries, that's what you're supposed to do. I would tell myself that because I didn't know back then. I would tell myself that you need to show compassion and understanding for yourself because the world will show you enough misunderstanding and cruelty on its own. You don't have to do it for them. The world will show you on its own. You have to be compassionate for yourself. That's it. I would tell myself to grieve now <laughs> so you don't carry the weight and the burden of loss with you for nearly a decade. I would tell myself to run, run fast, and don't stop until you get to where you want to be. And last, I would tell myself not to wait for anyone to support you or to cheer you on because you are your own biggest support system. And you got two, not one, but two guardian angels who guide you on the right path. 
which is more than enough power in its own right. Trust yourself. Trust your gut intuition. Trust your emotions. Trust your energy. Trust yourself, Jermaine. That would be the advice that I would have to give my younger self. Um, because I spent so much time going through self-doubt where turns out and it took me years of therapy to realize that I had the I had the message the entire time. Like I was on the right path, but I had so much self-doubt and and I was questioning so much about if what I was doing was right because I didn't have anybody to back me up or to tell me back then. It was just me and my own intuition that I was just acting on and going off of just doing what I knew and what I thought was right whole time. It was. But if I would have trusted myself, then I would have been able to make those decisions a lot faster. And that's kind of what I needed back then. It's just that confirmation that that what you're doing is right. You know? So the next question is, what are you most grateful for? And that's easy for me. Um, I'm definitely most grateful for my mother. Um, I swear I would have been lost and down tremendously in this life had that woman not taught me everything she did. And of course, of course, and naturally, I didn't want to hear anything she had to say. I didn't believe anything she told me at the time. Like, why am I? Why in the hell am I out here learning how to do laundry, how to cook, how to take care of myself and all of that before the age of 10? Like she used to always say, I won't be here forever and I'm going to make sure you don't need anyone to take care of you when I'm gone. Wait, hold up. Not her building my hyper independency from birth. Let me call my therapist. Let me text my therapist real quick. This is breaking news. Um, But no, seriously, though, she was a boy mom. She had all sons and she made sure we were groomed and neat and knew how to take care of ourselves and basically how to survive in this world as young men. You know, some of us listened. Some of us. Um, But she was the most insightful woman I've ever known, insightful person I've ever known. And I don't know how she knew, but she always knew. She knew exactly what was going to happen, when it was going to happen. And she just... I, I swear that lady had a sixth sense and you can't tell me any different. Um, and one thing she did was she believed in me um, unconditionally. And I will always, always, always appreciate and cherish and hold on to that. She used to always tell me, no matter what you do, no matter who you become, you'll always be my son and I will love you no matter what. And do you understand what type of power that that gave me as a kid, as a teenager? Like that stuck with me because, I mean, life gets pretty sketchy, not going to lie. And y'all lucky she ain't here today because the way she loved and supported me, <laughs> I would have been president by now. And that's that. <laughs> I could have done it all. I would have done it all by now. Um, but seriously, I definitely am grateful for Everything that she taught me, everything that she did for me, um, the way that she showed love, the way that she accepted everybody. I believe that your parents influence a lot about who you are as a human. Um, And my mom was the most loving and accepting person. Um, She would cuss you out in a heartbeat. Um, She she didn't play when it came to that, but um, she definitely loved people for who they were. 
Um, and she accepted everybody for, she loved everybody. And that's that. Um, that's exactly who my mom was. Um, and I'm so grateful to be, to have been raised by her. Definitely. Um, this next question is funny. Uh, what causes you stress in life? <laughs> Work? No, I'm just kidding. Work don't stress me out. I got that pretty handled. But what stresses me out the most in life, and I think that a lot of us can relate to this topic, um, is how much pressure I put on myself. I'm 25, y'all. And I feel like I need to have it all together 24-7 at all times. I feel like I need to be performing at my best at all times. I don't allow myself downtime to just breathe and just be. And that stresses the hell out of me. Um, do I plan to change it? I don't know. 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 Not right now. Um, yes and no, because it doesn't stress me to a. Yes, it does. Um, it, it, it stresses me to an unhealthy point right now. Um, but I plan I'm working on some things that are going to get me to stress about it in the right way. Um, and more so stress with the plan versus just stressing. Um, but that definitely is what caused me the most stress in life. Because when I look at everything else, everything else I know will come and go. Bills, relationships, you name it. Everything else will come and go. It'll happen. It'll get better. It'll get worse, then it'll get better again. But I definitely stress myself out by putting so much pressure on myself and what I expect out of myself. Um, and that's definitely something that is one of those bad habits that I need to get to the root cause, which I think I am. But I just need to do a little bit more work to, to, to really make sure that I'm right about it. But I think I got it. I might bring it up in a future episode. It might be season two for real, but don't just wait. So moving forward, what is your most harmful pattern when faced with stress? I'm starting to feel like these questions are coming straight at my neck because this is all stuff that I hate to talk about. But what's my most harmful pattern when, it, when faced with stress? Stress eating. I'm going to let y'all know right now. Y'all don't have to worry about me being in an AA meeting, an NA meeting. None of that. I'm not using any of that to cope with anything. You hear me? However, comma, a 10-piece from Wingstop with fries and corn, two sides of ranch. I will stress eat all day, all day. And that's a real bad habit that I've had for a long time. And I work at it consistently. Um, have I overcame it completely 100% yet? Not yet, but I've gotten way better than I used to back in when I was like 16, 17. I'd have to tell y'all some of the stories about when I was like 16, 17, 18 and stress eating. It was terrible. Nowadays, 
I'm in pretty good control. I have pretty good self-control over stress eating, but definitely stress eating is probably my most harmful pattern when faced with stress. Also, so y'all know there's like fight and then there's flight, but there's also freeze and that's me. I couldn't describe it for a while, but sometimes when I get in like super stressful situations, I'll freeze. Like my mind will be racing. My adrenaline will be pumping. Like I got so much going on. Like my whole body is just running like head to toe. Like my whole body is just like in motion, but I'm still and I don't talk. Like I can't get the words that are in my head to come out my mouth. And I was like, what the hell is wrong with me? Because for real, for real, I'm ready to say exactly what I need to say. But my mind won't let me like I will definitely freeze. And it takes something really extreme, though, because if you know me, you know, I always got something to say. But there's those rare occasions where something is like super extreme. that I'm going to just freeze and I'm not going to say nothing until I like. And then it's like always afterwards, like, damn, I should have said this or I should have said this or I should have did this. But at the time, my mind was there. I had the message. The platform was just broken. And that's just that, you know. Another harmful pattern when I'm faced with stress is isolation. I will duck off 100 percent. Completely, you won't see me, you won't hear from me. I ain't answering the phone, I ain't answering the door, don't pop up at my house. I'm not answering your text messages, I'm not opening your snaps. Like, you could send me a letter in the mail and I won't check it. Like, when shit gets too deep, I'm gonna just back off. I'm gonna just, and it's not like I'm just hiding in the corner. Like, no, I'm just, I'm a, I'm a very sociable introvert if that makes sense like i'm an extrovert when i need to be in certain situations but deep down inside i'm an introvert so i'll be needing time to recharge like it'd be real sketchy out here high key so i've needed to take that time to isolate just to recharge and get my thoughts together typically it just takes me 24 hours i give myself 24 hours after that i got a plan i already know what i need to do i'm on it i'm ready to go but don't expect me to do that on the spot. I'm going to need a smooth day to get my thoughts together. And then it's over for everybody. But I talk about isolation a lot because it's my favorite thing to do in a healthy way. Because I don't really like people for real, y'all. I don't like people. Um, yeah. But next question. Are you afraid of letting others get close to you? Hold up. Hold up. Not anymore. Open but skeptical. Remember? Yeah. I mean, of course, your heart will get broken and you'll go through shit. But never, never let the same hands break your heart twice. Um, I'm not. I'm no longer afraid of letting people get close to me or opening up to people. Um, I think there's just a common misconception about myself that um, not many understand because I always get told that I'm a closed off person or that I don't let people in. But I'm not really that. I mean, I'm a naturally private person, 
Um, so people often say I'm closed off, but honestly, I'm an open book. But you just have to ask because I'm not giving up that knowledge for free. I don't even know you. You're wristband to get into this mind. Um, but anything you want to know, I'll tell you. But you got to ask me. I just don't give up information without probable cause, you know. Um, but when you put in that effort to to ask, to pay attention, one thing you got to do is pay attention because I'm only going to say it once. And that's a toxic trait of mine. Like, I'm only going to say it one time. And if you don't get it, that's on you because I'm not into repeating myself <laughs> at all. <laughs> um, but, nah, I'm no longer afraid of letting people in or letting people get close to me um, because I got a real good bullshit radar. I got real good boundaries set up now. So you're not going to come in here, treat me any type of way and expect to get away with it. Cause yeah, moving forward. So next question is, am I too hard on myself or am I not hard enough? And I really hate the person who wrote this question. Because both, both, all right, I said it, both. I'm too hard on myself in the wrong ways and not hard enough on myself and others. For example, all right, all right, let's break it down. I'm too hard on myself for not being where I want to be in life, right? We talked about that already but not hard enough on myself to make some of the key critical changes that are preventing me from getting over that hill I'm stuck on. That's, that's what I'll be, that's what I'll be talking about. Like, it's like sometimes you fight a battle with yourself and nobody wins. <laughs> like you got the left side of the brain fighting the right side of the brain. I'm sure that's wrong. So if you study that, I'm sorry for disrespecting your profession moving forward. You ever be so stressed out about something so bad that you don't even get anywhere because of how stressed out you are about it? Or you're so hard on yourself that you actually don't get anything accomplished because you're so busy being the critic, as I describe it in therapy, like the critic to yourself versus the coach, like telling you, okay, you got this instead you're the critic saying, why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you here yet? You should be here by now. You should be doing this by now. You should be here instead of being, instead of being the coach saying... All right, let's get your shit together. We got this. You got the tools. You got the resources. You got the knowledge. You can do this. But let's go. Let's get it. I think we have to play that role more than we do the critic. Because when you play the critic so much, when you let the critic take over your mind, that's when your mind gets so cloudy. And then external influences and what goes on in the world around you doesn't help you at all. So you have to be very sound and intact inside your mind in order for you to do the things that you truly want to do. Because truth be told, you are all you have to count on. The difference between whether you make it to that goal that you have or if you don't, Starts and ends with you. Yup. Be the coach, not the critic. Yeah. And, and 
what worries me about my future is the next question. And I want to talk about this for a second, because what worries me about my future? Failing. Duh. I mean, my dreams and goals aren't typical, though. For me, at least in the world that I live in, in the reality that I create for myself, my dream and goal isn't to get married, buy a house, have kids and settle down with a nine to five job, working for a company that doesn't give a shit about me, but shows its appreciation with a quarterly pizza party until I grow old and die. Like, that's boring, boring to me, to me. I mean, if that's what you want, we love to see it. Go ahead. But no, seriously, like. I'm betting on myself because I'm a believer that I have the talent and the potential to do the things that I want to do. It's not about the money to me. That is not my purpose. I mean, of course, cash rules everything around me and money is needed. But I'm all about the impact that I leave on people and in this world. The one thing I don't want to do is get to the end of life, however long that is for me, and have any regrets. Um... And I think that my fear of failing, it's not really a fear, I guess I would say I I have a failing. It's more so um, a desire not to fail or in my mind, the way it's set up is failure is not an option for me. Lessons learned. Yes. A lot of those heavy on those episode one and two of those. Um, but more so I look at failure as I'm going to figure out a way to survive no matter what. So that failure isn't an option. I get that you'll lose some battles and I get that you won't win everything, but that doesn't mean that you have to consider yourself a failure. So I never want to get to a point in life where I consider myself a failure or that I've failed right now. Everything in my past has been a lesson that I've learned from. And when I stop learning and don't get anything from any of the experiences that I go through, that's when I'll feel like a failure. So as long as I keep learning and growing, then I'm good. So the next question is, am I in control of my life? So are you really in control of your life? Are you living or existing? You know, I think there's a lot of things that I allow to steal my power before, like my own fear of failure that I just talked about that used to control my life um, in more ways than one. Uh, My expectation of people around me used to control my life. Uh, My burning indecisiveness can never make up my mind that used to control my life until I started to simplify some things that helped me. My lack of trust. Definitely my lack of trust. My inability to ask for help when I need it. You know, my ability to manage my time and discipline myself when it comes to time. I keep talking about time and discipline because I got to remind myself consistently to stay disciplined when it comes to time. Timing is everything. Um, I feel like I am in control of my life now um, because I have a really good vision of where I want to be, what I'm doing. And the work that needs to be put in to get there. And I'm actively, every day I promise myself that no matter what I do, I do something towards my big goal. And I keep track of it so that I can keep score. Because winners keep score. 
So I do feel like I'm in control of my life. I lost control of my life for at least a good three years. I was out of control. My life was running me. I really wasn't running my life. Um, And then I woke up one day and realized that the way I was living wasn't getting me anywhere. Um, I wasn't achieving anything I wanted to achieve. I wasn't disciplined. Um, I really wasn't working towards what I truly wanted to be working towards. And I, and I had a really tough moment with myself where I, I realized that if I continued to live the way I lived then I would never get anything accomplished ever. And I would just be that failure that I just talked about before. Um, because I wasn't learning anything from what I was going through. I was just going through experiences and then moving on to something new and then going through a new experience that didn't work out and then moving on to another, to something new. Like I wasn't learning anything. Um, so I had to kind of calibrate myself and get myself back on track. Um, and now I feel like I'm pretty in control. I'm definitely in the driver's seat. Yeah. So how often do my emotions interfere with what I want for myself? All the fucking time. All the fucking time. I'm a Scorpio, y'all. I'm a Scorpio. We are the most emotion driven sign out there. Um, And I feel like my emotions interfere with what I want for myself in good ways and bad ways, because I feel like a lot of people say you can't lead with your emotions. And I'll I'll agree to disagree with y'all about that, because I feel like my emotions have definitely got me a lot of different places in life Um, because I can think logically as well. Um, and then I can add that emotion behind it. So what makes the most sense for me is logical, in my opinion. And then what will give me passion and desire in life is my emotion. Because if you only go off a of logic of what makes the most sense, are you ever truly, really happy? Because in my opinion, you don't logically take risk. Risk aren't logical, in my opinion. They're emotion driven because you know that logically you should probably play it safe in order to keep what you have. But instead, you use your emotions to take that risk. And then that's where you get that true reward. Um, So I definitely think it's important to have your emotions play a part in the decisions that you make for yourself and where you want your life to go. Um, And I don't know if you hear a lot of people talk about that, but. I'm a firm believer that your emotions don't always have to be a bad thing, especially when you're emotionally intelligent. Now, when you just out here going crazy with your emotions, then pack it up. But you can definitely use your emotions to your benefit in life. And I'm a firm believer in that. So next question, second to last question. How am I a different person than I was five years ago? How am I a different person than I was five years ago? Five years ago, I believed that I could expect me out of everyone around me. I believed that everyone thought the same as me, if that makes sense. I believed everyone had the same outlook on life as I did. I thought we all saw life through the same rose colored glasses. And I know that sounds naive and you're probably thinking, well, what the hell are you talking about? But back when I was, and that was five years ago. So I was 20 years old, you know, it was different for me in my mind because, you know, when people would do certain things, um, that I found to be wrong, I would be like, well, how could you do that to me when I would never do that to you? 
Um, and you take that kind of personally because you show people who you are, right? You show people what your character is. You show people, you know, what your values are and how you treat them and, and how you support them and different things like that. So when people do wrong to you, it almost makes you not understand it or have any type of empathy for them because how could you do me like that when I would never do that to you? Maturity wise, now I understand that everyone's brain works different and people really don't be understanding the fuck shit they be pulling. And that's what's really crazy. Um, people don't <laughs> all the time understand um the way that they affect people with their actions, their words, their, their energy. Um, and that's how it's supposed to be. That's how it's supposed to work. But you have to communicate back five years ago. I was a terrible communicator and I own up to that myself because, um, I just always expected you already know what you did. So why should I have to explain it to you? Nowadays, I'm still not explaining to you what you did. I'm like, tell, I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna tell you, and I'm gonna give you one chance. I've went from not saying anything at all to only giving you one chance. I might progress to, you know, a couple. But as of right now, I'm going to tell you exactly how I feel. And I'm going to tell you exactly what you did that affected me. And I'm going to give you a chance to um, talk about it. But if I bring it up once and you don't make any effort, then you'll never hear from me again. And that's that. <laughs> I don't I'm not doing repeats, rehashes. I'm not doing any of that. But definitely five years ago. I was a terrible communicator when it came to expressing things that affected me because I always felt like you should know. You should already know. I shouldn't have to tell you. But you got to tell people sometimes because people really don't be having the same. Um, they don't be on the same wavelength as you and your morals and values and, and what affects you is different than the next person. And as simple as that may sound, it's not that deep. But for me, five years ago, it was that deep. <laughs> it was that deep. Um, so the last question in this set is what primary coping strategy did I develop as a child that I still use today? Um, escapism. Um, definitely, 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 definitely a coping strategy that I use today that I developed as a child. Yeah, um, I always lived in the world of creativity, um, and that was my version of escapism. When life was rough as a child, I just escaped into my own reality, and I just got creative. Um, I used to build things. I used to draw. I used to color. I used to build my own virtual worlds. Like I used to do all these type of things to just escape from the reality of what was really going on. Um, and then when I got to be a teenager, I started writing music and I started writing songs to kind of escape what was going on. And then I became a music head to where now to th to this day, music is my escape. Like I escape through music now. Um, but definitely escapism is definitely one of the biggest coping mechanisms that I developed as a child that I use now. Also, also another coping mechanism is laughter. Hold up. Because one thing about me. <laughs> I'm a laugh. I'm a laugh at trauma. I'm a laugh at loss. Don't invite me to a serious situation because I'm going to crack a joke. 
I don't think there's ever been a funeral that I've been to that I have not laughed during. Not in a disrespectful way. I'm not that type of person, but I'm definitely going to find humor in every situation. Um, I will make a joke out of everything because I feel like when you start to take life too serious, that's when you really reach like a point of pure pain. Um, you have to find a way to, to, to find a small laugh in whatever situation you're going through. That's how I've always stayed mentally sane. Um, cause one thing about me, I'm a laugh. <laughs> I'm a laugh at any given point. Um, when things start to get rough because <laughs> it really be a joke yeah, for real. Um, but definitely laughter is one of the coping mechanisms that I've developed as a child. Um, because I, some, at some things you don't have any choice but to laugh at because things just be that crazy. If you, if you know what I mean? Yeah, but. Definitely laughter, escapism, two of my biggest coping strategies that I still use to this day. Like, I hold them pretty strong, um, and I'm going to resort to them. And isolation. Isolation as well is a coping strategy for me. Again, I talk about isolation, but my time away from people is the best way for me to cope. Um, and deal with whatever I deal and I sort through my thoughts, my emotions, the way I feel about things, the, the best when I'm by myself and I get, I'm just me and my thoughts. And I, I get to think about it, decipher how I feel and then make my best judgment call on my own. Um, and that's how I've grown to trust my intuition, my gut intuition. Um, and my own discernment is by making a lot of decisions based off of my own thoughts, what I want, um, adding that logic plus that emotion to make a very intelligent decision. Um, that's the way I operate in life. And I think that um, those are definitely strategies that I developed as a child that I still use to this day um, when things get a little bit rocky, as they often do in the life that we live Things are really crazy right now out there. So that is the questions that I was, I guess, because I already asked myself now. Um, but questions I'm afraid to ask myself. And again, a lot of these questions are questions that we all relate to, right? We all asked ourselves or ask ourselves these questions um, on a regular basis. Um, and I hope that you're able to look introspectively with me as I talked about my answers to these questions and you kind of formed your own answers to a lot of these questions and um, kind of learn something along the way. Um, again, my name is Jermaine. This is It's Not That Deep. Thank you guys so much for listening. I appreciate all the support um, and I will talk to you guys in the next episode.